Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shop Store Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 33. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10. Or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So there's just one announcement this week, and that is from next week, we're going to be moving the show to Tuesday nights. It'll be the same time, but it's going to be on a Tuesday. That's my fault. That. Well, I was just about to say that's pretty much it. There's not too much more to say about that. Um, so, yeah, we ho- yeah, hope everyone can make it on Tuesday. Um, but obviously, the, the audio podcast will still be there, so you can always catch up on it then. Yep. All right. This week, um, I know, uh, I'm sure all of us are, are pretty eager to hear what happened with um, Joey's clients <laughs> last week. So, Joey, do you want to start and tell us what's happened? Sure. Well, uh, um. Uh, it was a little uneventful, but uh, so I, yeah, I um kind of went backwards and forwards a little bit with her about just trying to get a day where she would be home. Um, so I got there and I said, like, let's look at this thing. Tell me, show me all the things that you want fixed. Um, and so it really <laughs> came down to having to paint the bolt head, which she didn't like seeing, which held the thing onto the wall. And there was one screw which I hadn't put a cap over, so I put a cap over that screw. And there was the, the worst thing with that she had a problem with, with was that the uh, where the stairs came down the wall, there was a PowerPoint on the wall, and we had to make a very small notch in our staircase to fit around the kind of very edge of that PowerPoint. And she was she said to me, "Well, I just don't understand. You came and took measurements." And how come it's not right? And how come there's a notch? And I was like, well, I mean, fair enough. It's not quite that simple. This is a very large thing. You've got like 10 moving parts here. Yeah. And sometimes we just, it just doesn't get it right. Some I, miss, I missed something somewhere. I was kind of 10 mil out and I can so, only so apologize. Just to interrupt you there. You, so are you saying then that it, and there's obviously nothing wrong with it, but you you are saying then that this could have been avoided. Well, I suppose so. Yeah, um, but it's not something you looked at and went, "Ah, oh, geez, I should have I should have got that right." It it wasn't that tough. Well, mistake. I mean, I was a bit annoyed at the time, but once the stairs are made and you've left, you know, you've done your measure up, you've gone to the workshop, you've made your thing, and then you come back and you've got it, you can't go and then remake it for the sake of a ten mil by. So it was like the height of a PowerPoint, 80 mil by 10 mil deep, you know, it was just, it's just a little notch that I end, all I ended up having to do was no more gap or cork around it. Just masked, masked it off, put some no more gaps around it. Mm. That was it. I stayed there for about 40 minutes cause I had to get two coats of paint on that bolt head and I used her hair dryer even to dry the paint. <laughs> and so I could get two coats of paint on it and I, because she seemed still quite unhappy with that little notch, um, I said, right, I'll give you 10% off the final bill. She goes, oh, great, I'll pay straight away. So that was that. I, I paid the next cool. day. 
And um, I mean, it did. It brought up a, a conversation in our workshop about should I just be adding ten percent to all jobs, not as a, not as a, um, uh, kind of a fallback. Like I could just take ten percent off, but mm. one, uh, it could be a ten percent profit, or it's this kind of um, contingency for things going wrong. Mm. I'll take that and I'll. I'll give you that discount so the 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 clients from hell ended up not being too bad like all the other things i talked about that she had on her email um just she was just like oh don't worry about it like all these really massive issues just all these big things it just didn't even come up which is just very strange but yeah well um, it's kind of you're giving them a cooling off period and they've thought about it like yeah. I, if i if i ordered something and i paid whatever several thousand dollars for something like you know whatever and it wasn't exactly what i wanted i would be pretty heated about it at the time but it's mm-hmm. given me a few days to calm down and you know I'll, I'll realize oh who cares it's not that big of a deal kind of like getting a an 80 watt instead of a 100 watt laser <laughs> that's exactly what it's like yes <laughs> so, yeah I, there was um, i actually went back just before and looked at the comments from last week's uh, podcast on youtube yep and there's a couple of good comments there about why the hell am i giving people seven days to pay when they should you know the old adage you know you can't pay you can't go to a shop and buy something and then pay seven days later um that's, which I fully understand. I've never thought of that actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, why what I give seems ridiculous. Um, and I was kind of thought, well, that does make a lot of sense. The reason I do that is, like somebody commented, it's a, it's a kind of a leftover from being in the building industry where once you make something, I mean, you, so you can't build for something that doesn't exist. So... Uh, every week you would bill them for the work that's being done a week to pay five days or seven days to pay. Um, you can't expect them to pay on the day. So um, especially with building work. Um, so that's something I've carried on, but it, it doesn't make sense with for freestanding pieces. Um I mean, I still give people seven days to pay and I'd say 99% of my stuff is freestanding. Very rarely is there anything other than bringing it into the house included. But the reason I like to give the seven days to pay is that if something did go wrong in that delivery, then the client's not out of pocket of a finished mm. item without having it in. Like say that some some accident happened and something fell over in the van or whatever mm. and you have to take it back to your workshop and fix it up which is a pain, but at least the customer doesn't feel like, oh, these guys just take my money and run. But when you guys talk about paying on the day, are we talking like FPOTs or, or cash? Because surely if you are, you know, if there's a problem with delivery, they just don't pay you then on the day and then you extend it. You know what I mean? Most of mine comes through uh, like on my invoices. You can click on my invoice and say pay and they can pay online, deposit or credit card for me. Mm. Um, I don't. I do have FPOS, but I never take it with me on a delivery. I just say transfer it. Yeah, yeah I, that's why. I'm, that's sorry, Joe. That's why I'm wondering how how can you enforce same day payments 
Do you, do you know what I mean? Like this to me, the seven days just seems more logistics than anything. Cause you take them the table mm. and then at what point do you say, right, you have the table, give me the money. Cause no one uses cash. So how can you demand that money? Do they pay you <laughs> before the delivery? Cause I'm yeah. sure no one's going to say yes to that. Well, that's what I do. Um, I've done that and I think I'm going to start moving towards that model apart from built-in furniture. That's why I wanted to make that distinction. Whenever the piece Mm. isn't finished properly in the workshop and I have to actually build it into a house, that's when I would give them seven days to pay Um, because I can't expect them to pay for anything because who knows what might happen. The whole thing might not fit and I've got to take it away. Um, But for a freestanding piece, what I have done a few times is finished it in the workshop, I take a couple of pictures of it, send it to the client and say, here it is finished, here's the bill. As soon as I see the money, I'll come drop it off. Mm. And the money's in the account the next day. It's just a little bit of hassle having to take some good pictures of it, but I usually take good pictures of my stuff anyway. Do you find, like, for me anyway, I offer the seven days, same as you, but I will tell the client, yeah, we're all done, here's the photo, um, and... I also send through the final invoice and say, once delivered, you'll have seven days. But they usually pay even before I've delivered it, which is, to me, it can make me feel a little bit uncomfortable before delivering because if they're not happy with it Mm. and I've got their money, then I've got this obligation to, like, make it right. Which Yeah, I've I've never had a client do that. I've never had that either, but it's just like a... I mean, I've never had a client pay my bill, like... Well, I must say, I've never given them the final. Usually what happens for me is I'll drop the thing off, make sure they're happy, and then when I get back to the workshop in the next hour, I'll send them the the email, the final invoice. Yeah, right. Um, What I've been thinking about doing, because on my invoices it says payment within seven days, blah, blah, blah. I think I'm going to delete that line and say payment due by the above date. And then it's just up to me to, as to when, um, what date I put on the invoice. I could give them one, two, three, seven days if I want. Mm. It's also a good way to enforce a deadline on yourself as well. Yeah. Yep. Like it has to be done before this day is a good way of looking at it. The only thing you'll have to be careful with is, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people have become used to the traditional seven or, or 30 days. Mm. So you'd have to point that out to people and say, you know, have a look, which might be a bit of an awkward conversation. Yeah. Well, I, I do find a lot of the times I think people forget that they, after two days they might have just forgotten the bill, especially if you print it out and they have a physical copy, the bill gets buried in a pile mm-hmm. of paperwork and you just don't get paid. And so then you've got to say, You've got to write that email. Look, it looks like uh, I haven't seen the money yet. Um, can you please make sure this is going to get paid? And then usually it's, oh, my God, I, I forgot about it. Sorry. And here's the payment straight away. It's on its way, yeah. Yeah, because then at that point, then they feel bad about it. Um, Tim C has just mentioned in the chat uh, right. about a quarter of my jobs these days use Afterpay. What is Afterpay? It's like a, so you can buy an item up front. But you have, I think it's up to two months, like fortnightly repayments, no interest on it. So if it's like $500, then you divide that by four and you can pay it off in smaller increments. Uh, I think it's a really cool concept. I don't know how 
It's fairly new in Australia. I don't know how established it is, but I've noticed quite a few small business around here now accepting Afterpay. Sorry, but as the short-term labour. Yeah, but then as the as the as the the furniture maker, like that's a risk on your part, isn't it? Well, the thing is, it's more about product that I've seen it for. I've not seen it for any services. So, like, if you go and get a $300 haircut at a lady's hairdresser, I don't know if that's cheap or expensive these days, but if you go get that, <laughs> the hairdresser gets paid up front, but yeah. you don't make your first payment or your, you don't make full payment at least until the end of that four, four weeks or eight weeks, whatever it is. Ah, so who cops the, the delay? No, that's the thing. There's no interest charged on it. So I have no idea how it actually works. It's got, well, it's got, got to be someone who's, who's raking their... Someone's not, not necessarily the taking... Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's like if it's a hundred dollars, it's it's. I think it's a minimum of a hundred dollars. It's four payments of twenty five dollars. You still get a hundred dollars in your bank account, being the service provider, and you've paid twenty five dollars each week. You haven't paid any more, but you've had this weird like, staggered timeline to pay it. I think it's a cool <laughs> concept because it makes things, especially like if it's an expensive chopping board for me, it makes it less intimidating to fork out four hundred dollars up front. Mm. I suppose so. I, I don't like, I'm always nervous. I'd had a, a client recently with a big bookcase that decided after everything had gone through that they wanted to just pay it off the whole thing. Every two weeks, they'd give me 500 bucks. And I just, the whole thing just was, was annoying because it's like, if you don't have the cash for the thing, then maybe wait until you've saved it before you order it. And it, Mm. And it was, it was just a bit of a stuff around because I had it scheduled in to start and then, oh, actually, I can't pay the deposit in full. I'll just start paying it off. I was like, well, that's great. But now I can't start that work and it's kind mm. of in the timeline and it just kind of throws things around. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, from that point of view, I, don't, I get a bit nervous when people start saying, can I pay you off? Because it's like, well, that means you don't have the money right now. Yeah. Which is not ideal. Yeah, that's kind of making their problem your problem. Yeah. It's yeah. A part of the much. joy of offering a service. Like, people are always going to want to try and get around it somehow. And that's why I'm really so, interested in this afterpay because that to me just sounds like, you know, because you know, banks work on um, uh, the value of risk. So this sounds like a massive risk you know, set up. I bet, some it's, uh, I bet it's like some kind of monthly fee that, because this third party must be taking on that risk of, of forking out that cash before that other money comes in. Yeah, and it, it must be like a monthly service fee to. to apparently, there's that. yeah. You get this is just in the comments. Apparently, Afterpay will charge the seller. So whether it be a commission right. of that sale, I don't Sandwich. know, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, they obviously do. I guess it's right. a way you, you get more sales through it, so maybe you make slightly less on the actual end product. Who knows? But it, it's a cool concept. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Right. So that was pretty much my week. I just I just um, put out a video about painting stuff. So if you're at all interested in painting stuff, go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that video. Okay. But that I didn't enjoy. Well, I mean, when I say enjoyed it, I like the fact that what you're doing is simple and easy enough for anyone to do. 
bit that I don't like is the fact that I've been doing it like that, but I still don't get those results. So there must be a degree of either skill or patience involved in it. I guess it's probably just a bit of knack of just learning when to leave it alone and when it needs a bit more paint. When I did the voiceover, I, I kind of didn't know what to say because I was like, what, do, <laughs> what is a bit like trying to tell someone how to tie your shoelace. Like you don't actually know what you're doing because you, you know, you just have muscle memory. Or, or not only that, it's you don't know what that what you're doing that that separates you from, you know, yeah. what what makes this unique almost. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure if it actually helped anyone. Hopefully, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I, yeah, as I say, I was happy that it it's as simple as that. Um, there's no you don't need to go hide away in some Buddhist monastery for two years and learn the <laughs> art. It's you can do it. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right. Um, anything else, Joey, or is that the no, was that that's week? my week? Jordan, uh-huh. how about you? Uh, I'll keep it pretty short because there's not been a huge amount. Uh, the laser saga from last week has continued with trying to get the the provider of that machine to admit they sent me the wrong stuff, and I just keep getting blocked. Um, and then I use a new email address, and that email address gets blocked. And then I ring them, and they hang up on me, and blah blah blah. So, so you've actually tried calling them? As oh, well. totally. Yeah, I've called them. I've WhatsApped them. I've Skyped them. It's just you know, I'm. Did they hang up the yeah. phone on you? Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love China. Um, well, I shouldn't say China. Either. I like this. I like this supplier this company. I think. Yeah, is, the company. yeah. Um, So yeah, I've just given up now, and I'm just say stay away from Robotex CNC because they're rip-off merchants. At least I got a machine though, so that's kind of Was cool. Was that Robotex CNC that you said, John? Yeah, Robotex CNC. Robotech? Robotech. It sounds, sounds like you're saying Robotex CNC, but... Yeah, Robotech CNC. I, I, I probably won't uh, recommend them then. No, <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend them either. Uh, okay. so that happened. Uh, I don't know. I've been working on a, my my surfboards and all that sort of stuff for the new financial year underway now. Um, hopefully, I can get on top of all of that. The table that I've been working on, which feels like forever, is finally finished. It's just sitting in the spray room right now with its final coat of lacquer. Cool. Uh, oh, and something cool that happened. Stop me if I already said this, but my sister's a lighting designer, and her company has just dropped a major supplier. Of this, yeah. I won't this say brands story. just in case it's in case it's you know hush hush. But basically, they had a massive commercial lighting display in their showroom, which they ripped down. And instead of throwing it in the skip, my sister thought of me because she's a lovely sister, and she's <laughs> given me ten thousand dollars of commercial lighting for my workshop. Wow. Oh, that was awesome. So it's like eight. Well, like big halogens and stuff. No, no, LED. So eight uh, oh. three-meter-long linear lights. So that's one Ooh. for every bench, which like one of those lights has more output than all of my lights in my workshop put together. <laughs> Sorry, eight awesome. three-meter-long linear. LEDs? Yeah. And these aren't like LED strip lights that you think of when you think of like no, eBay the, special. The these are proper commercial lighting that you see in like high-end restaurants and things like that because i've got in so my workshop is nine by six meters right and i've got one two three four five so i have five ten of these led 
fluoro tubes. So it's, it, you know, I guess it's a little bit better than the strips that we were talking about. Yeah. yeah. And I have 10 of them and they are 1.2 meters long and they yeah. are, they do more than enough for yeah. my workshop. See, that is more than I had in my entire 300 square meter workshop before <laughs> yeah. these lights came in. So you've got more lighting than I did. That's how bad my lighting situation was here. That's but awesome. now it's you're gonna have to wear sunglasses in there. Well, yeah, and the nice thing is they're all LED, like so they're all using no power. And yeah. some of them, there's this really cool light which I love. I wish there was more, but I can't really be a beggar when I've been given this stuff. But on one side, it's cool light, and then on the top, it throws a warm light. So ah, as really? that hangs, it hits like all of my truss and stuff on my roof and awesome. illuminates the roof in this warm glow. You've um, already got them all hung then. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't hung any of them yet. I've just been playing with it. Uh, I've also got a heap of these like pendant down lights, about 15, which uh, I'm thinking because I'm, I'm starting up courses very soon for surfboard building. I'm thinking mm -hmm. I could maybe make like an installation with one of these giant slabs and just have lights hanging out of it and a frame kit and just <laughs> like kind of go to town with it. But that has been kind of the best thing that happened this month for the workshop, just having this stuff. Yet another Jordan getting awesome <laughs> yeah. free cheap stuff. You're always calling you out for it in the chat as well. Hey, I, I don't know what I do, all right? I just, I guess I've done something right in my last last life. I must have been a Buddhist monk or something or, or <laughs> saved lots of kittens and puppies from a fire or something. That's yeah. I, that idea of the, the fluoro shining up a different color to the, that is so wicked. Yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's these surface mount lights as well, which are all warm light. So I'm thinking, mm. because I don't like warm light in the workshop, perfect for the office, but not in the workshop, I'm thinking those I could maybe mount on an angled plate and shoot up to the like the structural I-beams yeah. in the workshop. Because, of, <laughs> because these classes I'm doing are at night. That would be awesome. They have the option to come at night. They can book in at any time, really. Uh, I want the workshop to really feel like a special, eclectic yeah. Yeah, mm. mix of art and artisanal fest really so and then in your in your videos when you balance to the bluer lights yeah it's so cool because you've got this two-tone in the work which i don't i can't think of you can expect a lot of wide that. angle shots <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey, could you use those or do you need those lights for shaping the surfboards at all like oh there'll be a huge help especially because it's like an even light i i yeah. I put one up, just like clamped it onto the forklift and raised it up to about the height I thought and plugged it yeah. in. And the the like angle that it throws is amazing. But also I ran my hand under it like it, like as far as I could and the light was even no matter what I did. So cool. it, hopefully it doesn't have the effect of flattening out those lines when you're shaping. Mm. But I think it should mm. be okay because even if, even if it does flatten it out, I can actually dim them. They're all programmable. Okay. Of course they are. I'm surprised yeah. they don't have one of those remotes where you can change their colors as well. well come on, Robin. They're, they're not that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking about the, the pendant lights, I know uh, Jimmy DeRestra in his shop, he's using those with the, the paper balls right. to diffuse them. Maybe use those as well in, in conjunction with the LEDs or is, that just, is it just stupid now? Yeah. The amount of uh, I mean, that's... There is one idea in the pipeline because I got a huge, it's a 3K output downlight, like bigger than my head. 
And I thought, oh, I could use that and make one of my wooden light shades around that and then hang mm. it in the shop. But I think that's getting a little bit silly because the size I'd have to make that light shade is like one and a half meters diameter. Jeez. So, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. there's, there's lots of options and end of the day, it's cool. While we're on lighting, just a, just a quick question. Um, so you say you don't like the warm light in your workshop. What temperature do you use I think or would you like to use? Is it 5,600K is natural sunlight? I thought it was 4,000, 4K, 4,000. Maybe Sorry, 4,000, 4, yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't know what temperatures are. I know 2,700K is what the warm light I'm using in the workshop is. Mm. I think it's either 4,000 or 5,600 out there. Okay, so the reason I'm asking is I've got 4K in here, which is supposed to be daylight, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. But I know a lot of people use the 57 or 6,000K. 6,400. Yeah, what, yeah, whatever it is around there. The, what I think is, oh, there we go. So Stevens just said 6,400 is daylight. Okay. Um, and using 4K, 4,000K in here, recently I've been looking at it. I've got a, a, a 6,400 behind me. And I look at that light and I'm like, oh, that's actually so much. I think I prefer that to the 4,000. Mm. Um, and that's why I was wondering what you were using. You know, for me, from a with all the timber, I don't want a, a, a blue light because it just makes everything look yuck. So yeah. that's why I went warmer. But now I'm starting to question maybe that wasn't the best decision. So I, I like a few accents of the warmer light throughout the place because then you can bring the work under that light and see it just in this different shadow. Mm -hmm. like, like, this was just how the workshop had lights. It had cool light everywhere except one light had warm. And mm -hmm. that's when I moved in. And it really annoyed me for ages until I was finishing a table and then I just moved it on the dolly randomly under the other light. And I could see details that I couldn't see on the other light, mm -hmm. like on the other, um, under the other lights is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool to have that in the end of the day. But now I'm not using it because it's, Fluoro and ugly, and I like my slimline LED awesomeness. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> so if anyone wants to buy some lights, I'll send it for oh, nine and a half thousand dollars. It's five thousand, five hundred dollars <laughs> Cool. Anything else? Oh god, I mean, there's there's been heaps, but let's leave it at that. Before we head off, the well, before we head off, what you you've been doing. Uh, last week and the week before, you were talking that you were saying that you were quite under the pump with stuff that's been going on. Has that leveled out a bit? Uh, no, but what I've kind of done is I have said uh, expletive it. Uh, it's not worth the stress, and I've just taken a chill pill because you know there's so you much. There's, yeah, exactly. There's only so much I can do, and I don't want to work myself into the point of where I was at the end of last year and end up, you know, cutting another digit or injuring myself because of exhaustion. I'm just, you know, I, I, I emailed the people that I'm working on right now, and I said, hey, guys, look, I understand that you're wanting your table, but the thing is you low-bowled the price, like you negotiated the price way down, and this isn't even going to pay my rent, so do you mind if we just delay it? Like, I didn't actually say, do you mind? Yeah, I just said, so a few things have come in, which mm. have to have my priority. So we're, we're looking at about a week delay. 
and they email me back and said, oh, dude, no stress at all. We understand completely. So I was putting wow. this, like, this stress on myself. For nothing. And when, I mean, a, w- a week delay when you're getting a custom piece of furniture. It's nothing, yeah. Yeah, a week is nothing. I, I and mean, if I'm a week behind, they'll just say to the client, look, um, you know, the weather's too cold and the stuff's not drying, so it's going <laughs> to be a week. That's actually where all of my problems came from, is that the resin was not setting because it's been too cold. I thought you were going somewhere else there, Joey. Just, it's just so cold out. I just, I can't get out of bed. Sorry. <laughs> my slippers are so warm and I don't want to get yeah. in the car. That's a good option. Um, but yeah, still a lot going on. Still doing this new website. Still doing all this new uh, market research. Doing budgeting. Like I, I apparently need to find $12,000 for a startup, but that's not going to happen. So I'm just, I was doing ideal situations in yeah. the budget and I've, Figured that, you know what, well, I can order as I go. I don't need to buy stock in. I don't need to do this, blah, blah, blah. So uh, lots of stuff happening, but starting to get on top of it. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Robert, what's up? I have this week, I finished the weatherboards, which is really nice. So I finally have my the outside of the shop looking nice. They're all finished. The window boxes are done. All the trims done. They're painted. It looked turned out way better than I thought. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you might remember we talked about, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to, feather the new boards in turned out amazing the only problem is now is that the sheen level on the t- the new section of the weatherboards right. is different old ones so i think i'm going to invest in one of those spray guns that we talked about last week guys after the podcast mm-hmm. one of those airless ones that oh you got one did you no i haven't got it yet but oh, i probably will 150 bucks from bunnings yep. and just do the house like that. It's just one coat that's the way to go yep so with the weatherboards done, I now have a workshop with no weatherboards in it. So I literally have spent this entire week with the brush and the vacuum, and I vacuumed up everything. <laughs> you could eat your food off the floor in here. It is, it's amazing. It's so much, it's so much better. And, and we're going to get onto the topic tonight about shop organization. And, and this was sort of one yeah. of the, the, the reasons why I wanted to talk about this. I'm so much happier in the workshop now, just this level of Zen because there's not stuff under my feet and I'm not bumping into things. Yeah. So yeah. So this week that's, that's pretty much all I did. Um, and then the last thing that I did yesterday, I got myself a vice. Do you know, I've, I've never owned a vice. That's true. Is it a, uh, is it the one on the bench behind you? I can see in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Little How good so are they? It's a, it's a small one, and it's obviously not like the, the, the you know, you see them on YouTube where these guys make these vices that could crush their workbench in it. It obviously doesn't have that much pulling power. But because I've never owned one, I'm not really sure how much I'm going to use it. There's been many times when I wish I'd had it enough, had to like clamp a big block onto my workbench so that I can clamp the workpiece to that. So in that case, it's, I'm excited for it, but I thought I'd go with this, just a little, a little guy. And then if, if I like, if I love it, then I'll upgrade to something bigger down the line. Well, the good thing about having a small one like that is it gives you other clamping options that like you are already doing, you can put a bigger post in that and then clamp onto that post. Mm. But it's like, it's a little bit more secure because I have leg vices and yeah. I still have to do that because I wish I had one bench with at least one of that style because it's. What, what is it? Is it like an engineer's vice or like a steel wood? You know the Irwin kind of quick release? Oh, yeah. So the only thing I don't understand about this design, so for those of you who, who aren't watching the video, it's 
it's mounted on the edge of my workbench from underneath. Mm-hmm. So if you were to put something in and you want to do chiseling, surely that's going to put a – so I've bolted mine through the workbench and just countersunk yeah. the bolts. But surely that's that's a lot a lot of stress on the, the, the vice or that joint. Why don't you mount it on the top of the workbench? I think if you're chiseling, you don't put it in that style of vice. Is is that is that the go? Because yeah, obviously it's, for it's planning, more of a it's holding perfect. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. I mean, I would I would usually if I'm chiseling something, it's sitting on the on the bench with a hold fast or a clamp going over the top of it and clamping it down. Yeah. Not yeah, right. Okay. Against because that like that's friction you're basically using to hold it in place. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. So you would never use the style of of you never use the style of advice. You'd never use the style <laughs> of advice to chisel just by virtue of the fact that it's between two jaws. You'd always have it on your workbench. Yeah. I mean, usually. Yeah, yeah. Sense, I mean, yeah. tr- you will still do it because you're too lazy to release it and lift it back up. <laughs> yeah. But in theory, you shouldn't need to. Yeah. 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 So uh, Dan in the chat just said advice is more for sawing or planing the work rather than carving. So yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense because I just thought eventually I'm just gonna because my the the my workbench top is a it's a fairly old pine, um, uh, Oregon pine. It's not gonna last mm. if I'm smashing away at it. So yeah, but yeah, that's been my week. Um, yeah, Sweet. pretty pretty uneventful, but happy to tick some boxes. Okay, so this week we are going to we're going to talk about a question that came in from the. Um, Discord server. Yeah. Right. <laughs> From the Discord right. server. And uh, we were going to talk about it last week, but we got into Joey's awesome client and we never got around to it. So we thought we'd touch on it this week. It is from uh, one of the Discord server users called Lovegun. And it's quite a long question, but I'll read through all of it. It says, Don't know if it's been discussed in great detail, but I've really been struggling with shop organization especially lately, but it's something I've always sucked at. I have a wall-mounted lumber rack, which is pretty full, a sheet goods rack, which is overflowing, a ton of offcuts that might, (laughs) in quotes, might be useful someday. And it's not just wood. I haven't even mentioned all the hand tools, power tools, hardware, screws, washers, hinges, etc., sandpaper, sheets, glue, brushes, and the list goes on. More things have their homes, just seem to end up all over regardless. I've also recently purchased a dust collector, but haven't gotten the entire shop piped up properly, so my chips and sawdust linger despite my best efforts. Overall, I know what I'm supposed to do. It's just not easy. And since I'm not a pro, I don't have much time for trial and error. So I'm reluctant to spend the time in building for storage, only to find out after all the time, money, and effort that it's not going to work for me. So any tips from for a part-time hobbyist woodworker who still wants a decent shop? Uh, give up. Plain <laughs> and simple. No, I don't know. Uh, so you've said my biggest issue in your question alone is that you've got all this stock, which is not necessarily. So for me, anyway, I wish I never bought stock in bulk. I wish I only ever bought it in as I needed it because yeah. Yeah. half my problem is space and everyone will have that issue. And I know it sounds rich coming from someone with a 300 square meter factory, but still space is always an issue no matter what. With mm. Woodwork as a goldfish. We glow, grow into our size. But <laughs> by having all of this stock on the shelf, which doesn't move, it's especially for someone like me, which is paying rent by the square meter, 
it's essentially wasting all of this space that I'm paying for. Like in, mm. in a hobby yeah. shop, it's wasting all of this really valuable space for working area. Even if you're storing vertical, you can do better things up there. Like, yeah. So for me, my biggest wish is buy what you need when you need it. A little bit of stock is fine, but not like not heaps of anything. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really true. I've been collecting a lot of trees that I've been milling and I keep seeing trees now and I have to say, You've got to stop because in the same way with lumber, it's not that I'm ending up with more good wood. I'm ending up with a lot of what is soon to become offcuts. Yeah. You've got to do something with that. So you've got to, yeah, just rein that in before it gets out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Jordan, that my, my lumber racks are mostly empty and – I'll buy in what I need per job and that will take one of the racks. And then usually during that job, those racks will get filled with various pieces of the work while I'm working mm. on other pieces um, or with the next job, lot of timber waiting to go or something. But I can almost always, like we'll have kind of four long bays empty on my timber rack um, because if that's full up, that should mean that I'm, really busy with work <laughs> yeah um otherwise what what what's the point if you're not like it's you've got to store the timber yes but if you're not using it then get rid of it <laughs> yeah yeah all right i i have probably about 10 one meter wide slabs sitting in my my floor i'm not going to make slab tables no one wants slab tables from me but so it's this massive amount of floor space taken up by all these slabs. So it's just, yeah. what do I do with it? I either sell it cheap or I burn it. I'm not going to do that. Don't comment. In. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave right now, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so guys just mentioned in the chat, Guy Jackson has said 50% cleaning, 30% looking for the tool you just had, and 20% woodworking. So you mentioned the 50% cleaning. And, and Joey, you and I have talked about this in the past, how important it is to keep a clean workshop. I don't know about you, but I, I actually find cleaning the workshop totally cathartic. I love cleaning the workshop and, and, and being able to look back and have a nice space to work in. Are yeah, you saying that my workshop's messy, Robin? Is that why I'm not included in this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, All right, I'm out. Bye. <laughs> go, go sleep on your slabs that you're burning for warmth. <laughs> so... Um, Joey, do you do you enjoy cleaning, or are you uh, just doing it because I I enjoy as soon as I'm finished cleaning. I really okay, don't like yeah. spending the time yeah. to, to do it, but it'll probably at least once a week I will just I'll be halfway through something and I'll just look around and go, "That's it, stop work. Everything's going back to where it lives. I'm sweeping the floor. We've got a des designated." pile that goes for like tip rubbish once that gets full i'll take a, a run to the tip and drop everything off but until then i just will stop everything clean up put everything in the pile mm. uh, make sure everything all the tools i'm not currently using go back to their homes and then like it's just so nice having a, a clear path from from one bench to the other or over to the table saw without having to slip on sawdust and stuff yeah. Um, one thing I thought I'd mention he in his question he did mention sawdust and chips of wood and stuff even with 
very good dust extraction, you will get dust and chips everywhere anyway. Mm. So I would say lower, perhaps lower your expectation about how clean you think it might be um, going to be. Yeah. Um, I've got a three-phase, five-horsepower extractor, and and when the light's right and I'm cutting on the table saw, I mean, you can still see plumes of dust spewing out of that machine. Uh, it just throws dust everywhere, even with an overhead guard with extraction and underneath, um, you know, they're not foolproof. So you can mm-hmm. expect dust to be everywhere and you can expect to have to sweep, you know, probably ideally once a day, I would say. And on that note, is I agree, like I'm in the same boat, I have a seven and a half horsepower thing and there's still dust everywhere. But on that note is you design knowing that no matter what, there's going to be dust. So whether you make it so your benches sit a little bit higher so you can blow it out with a leaf blower or you make them sit all the way down onto the floor so dust can't get under them. Mm. You don't have open drawers or open cupboards if you know, you're that concerned about dust being in your tool case. Like all of that, you can you have to kind of live with dust. It's kind of the yeah, biggest pain there's, in the butt. But you a, need to. The other element to his um, question was the time in the shop. And I think, George, both of us have a great advantage that we spend a lot of time, way more than a hobbyist. And so we get used to workflow and we get used to what works and we – you have a lot more time for, I guess, a kind of a muscle memory about putting things back. Well, certainly I do. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. You wouldn't yeah. be looking at my shop, but I do. <laughs> and and so I get, there's a part of it where it's just um, building up that those hours in the workshop where you get to learn a better workflow and a, and what does and doesn't work. Mm. And you know, after a year of full time, you know, forty hours plus in the workshop you get to a pretty good rhythm and building up that same amount of hours working on only on Saturdays is going to take a lot longer. Mm. The other, like I used to get a lot of crap when I used to move my shop around a lot, but the more time you spend in your shop, the more you get used to that workflow that you're working with. So, okay, well now I know that this workbench works better over here Yeah, and this is over here. And like, I, I like to think of my workshop as zones and especially now, like I've, I've rearranged my, my machinery to be in a straight line. So from the front of the shop to the back of the shop, I walk up and down for every process and maybe it's not the most efficient way, but it works really well because everything's now zoned. Like this is the, the, cutting down and sizing zone, here's the machining zone, here's the assembly zone. And in each one of those zones is the tools which correspond to it. So assembly zone, I have my clamps, my glue, my drop sheets, all of that within arm's reach. And that's been a huge help. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking about the sweeping, none of my, the only one is my, my hand tool workbench, just because it's a bit more squat, but everything else in my workshop is up enough for a broom handle to get under mm. because yeah, otherwise, yeah, you just, you can never clean up under there. Obviously putting it on wheels works it, as well. It's but, funny. Like yeah. I, um, do you care? Do you, would you really care though? Like for me, my long, um, long bench, where it has my miter saw on it, I have just on regular kind of adjustable kitchen feet, plastic mm. adjustable feet. So I've got 150 mil ish along that. And I have no idea what's under there, but I can't see it, and I can never get at it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, don't, don't get me wrong. Time. 
sort of standard. I mean, like I, I, so that sort of something I wanted to bring up was that I clean what needs to be cleaned. Yeah. I'm not going to get up and sweep my rafters off, even though they're covered in sawdust. It's mm. just doing perfectly well sitting out there. No, it's not hurting anyone. So it can say <laughs> wherever maybe, it wants. It's maybe it's hurting it's not, like a few things, like your lungs and all no, the No, because it's up on the rafters. Yeah. It's, it's sitting up there. If I can see it on the rafters, it means it's not floating in the air. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> if I can see it, it means it's safe. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's not so much being able to clean everything underneath the, but it's being able to, for me, when I go around with the, when I want to sweep up, I can just, I can just sweep and I don't need to worry. I'm not going to be bashing the broom into things. And you know what I mean? It's yeah, it just, yeah. just makes life a lot easier. And that, that l when you're looking at it, that little, that maybe 50 mil back from the underneath of your bench is clean. So you know that that's clean and, and yeah, yeah, anything behind that. Yeah. Whatever cockroaches can have it. Yeah. One thing I've always wanted to have set up in my shop, which I haven't got around to is every bench has a bench brush and a, well, like a dustpan and brush. Mm -hmm. Every bench has its own shop vac with its own nozzle and attachments, which is always plugged in and ready to power on. And every bench has a hook on the end of it. So you can put, you know, cables or wires or your tools or whatever, hang it on the end. I've been saying it since day one <laughs> and I still have not done it to this day. Yeah. But it's one thing I think would help. How do you guys store all of your talking about that? How do you store all of your smaller stuff? So, like, I have a overflowing tub of screws, which is just continuing to overflow because I've not done anything. But like your screwdrivers and your 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 you know your hand planes, is the hanging wall the way to go, or do you guys keep it in? Joey, I think you have open shelves, don't you? Um, well, on my workbench, so I've got drawers for my hand planes and like fine woodworking tools, scribes and dovetail markers and all that kind of kind of fine stuff. All is all away on drawers, mainly because I just wanted to put drawers on my workbench, but actually works really well about keeping everything clean. Um, so things like screws, I have like an area on one of my benches, which has just boxes of screws. And I that area is not defined by any markings or anything. I just know that this general area on my bench, the only thing that lives here is boxes of screws and that I keep them all in their, their same boxes. I've got labels on them. That's fine. I've got a, a rack on the wall where all my drills and batteries and drivers sit. And once I've finished using it, they go back onto that rack. Mm. Um, I've got a rack where all my battery and electric power tools sit and they go back on there once I've finished using it. So everything, I've got a, a big um, kind of rack of clamps, F clamps and G clamps. They will just get thrown back into this pile after I use them. So what I like to have, sorry. I was just going to say, I think that the takeaway there is that everything has a place. But I think that's possibly what you're about to say. I guess my, what I, my, my biggest kind of thing I like is that at least one or certainly my biggest workbench my assembly table unless i'm working on it it should be clear completely clear so i can just bring something in and put it down yeah yeah and it should yeah i think to to get to that you need to have everything have a, a place so with 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 my workbench my main workbench i have a similar um 
mentality where it's always got to be clean. But the only reason I'm able to do that is because there's all shelves underneath. So if I've got found something that's not supposed to be there, I can just chuck it up underneath. But it's that, it's that having somewhere for everything to go is so difficult when you've got all these bit new tools coming in and, you know, this piece of lumber is coming in and you there is never, everything's constantly in, in motion. There's never, I don't know if you yeah. guys find the same thing. Yeah. But there's certainly, it's amazing. Like you just go down to Bunnings and buy the cheapest set of like kit set shelving, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's all steel frame things for like 20 bucks, put that up and then just say on this, I'm only going to keep these types of tools or this shelf is only going to be my screws shelf. Mm. And if you stick to that, suddenly that clears space from wherever they were before. And it's all, you know, that's where it's going to go. So just by a very simple thing of taking up, yes, a little bit of floor space by some shelving um, actually will increase your, your, I would assume, or I would say that it's going to increase your productivity heaps. Yeah. I think one thing that I'm, I struggle with, and this comes to your point there, Joey, with the shelf, is that when I'm working on a project, I haven't got a place for incomplete projects. So the bench right. is always full of components for that project when, you know, I might not have to do anything on that project for two or three days, but that mm -hmm. bench is now out of work action. So right. one thing I've been thinking of is how can I clear a bit of my existing rack to have that, you know, projects which are in the works but not being worked on right now stored away somewhere which is out of the road and also safer being stored because you know if you're moving around especially if you've seen me behind a forklift bumping into crap left right and center if you haven't you've been run over <laughs> yeah if you haven't seen me coming <laughs> you know, I, I, see i said it was actually the adjointer where i i got in trouble but it's actually the forklift <laughs> <laughs> Cool. All right. Um, we're running a bit short on time. So is there anything else that you guys want to mention about this? Uh, no. No. Uh, yeah, I could probably keep going. But that'll, <laughs> that'll do. Just buy some shelving. Go put stuff on the shelves. Just become an internet woodworker. Then you <laughs> <laughs> forced. Someone in the comments, I can't remember who it was. I'm just scrolling back now. Uh, oh, here we go from Stephen Hawker. Um, uh, here, here, Ari, cleaning. I've... I have the problem at the moment where I'm rebuilding the workshop and everything is everywhere and I keep rolling my ankles on all of the crap on the floor. Last, no, not last week before, I had that moment where I was working. I had all the, the weatherboards that I mentioned in the beginning of the show lying everywhere. And because I'd been working on the bathroom, this had just turned into a storage area. And I was trying to do something and my workbench was, my assembly bench was full and I just, I just lost it. And I just, in just out of anger and frustration, I just started pushing everything off the, the bench. I threw a couple of things across the workshop. Oh, you went full Hulk. Jeff, definitely <laughs> not a moment I ever want my my um, my friends or family to see me in because uh, I had to spend the next couple of hours after that picking everything up. And I and I just stopped and I went, you know what? You can't. You just can't do this. You just you cannot. And especially you guys with commercial shops, you cannot work in an environment like that. So yeah. take the time, sort it out before doing anything else. Yeah, and it makes the headspace so much better when it's a clean shop. Like you can actually get in and feel like you can start your project at the beginning of the day and not feel like you have to put a million things away. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. All right. Um, well, I hope that answers the question. Uh, have you guys been watching anything interesting this week that you want to mention, Joey? Um, 
this this old Tony. I haven't seen a lot of him. He's I'm sure everyone's seen his stuff. I happened to mm. catch his video on Alex French guy cooking's pasta machine build. Um, it's awesome. Go watch this old Tony. So it's funny you talk about. I, I suggested this. that video three weeks ago. <laughs> no, did you? Was it yeah. this old? I thought you suggested Alex French guy cooking. No. So. Oh, well, shit. <laughs> Alex French guy cooking seems to be popping up a lot. Like yeah. I'm sure he was in the Making It podcast. They were talking about him in the Making It podcast as oh, well. Okay. Like right. this dude's doing amazingly in the maker scene. He's just collaborating with everyone. He did Diraster and Alex Steele and like, oh, he's just been a right. Okay, legend. I, I still haven't checked it out yet. What do you do with Diraster? Uh, a pizza cutter with two saws. Oh, is that him? Oh, that's... Uh, okay, well, that must be the connection then. Yeah. How about you, Jordan? Uh, I honestly haven't even been on YouTube this week, so that's right. You nothing. Dear. I'm sorry. I mean, I've been watching. I've been watching Joey Chalk and Robin Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't. You haven't been putting any time and effort into that. What was it? Robot Robotech. Oh well, you know Robotech. Actually, I did leave several comments on the Robotech YouTube channel about how crap they are, and yeah. funnily enough, all of them got deleted. So, Outrageous. I know. I'll, I'll make sure then not to check out Robotech because it sounds like Robotech's not a very good company. Yeah, Robotech CNC. <laughs> Avoid it. All costs. I concur. So this week I saw a video by Garage Garage Woodworks. His name's Brian. He's a pretty he he really blew up when the, yep. the whole woodworking maker movement started. And I think he's he's stuck to his style which is amazing if that's what you like because you can go back in his back catalog and it's just all gold. Right. But what I really like is this, the way he explains things. It's, it's pretty, I think, for, for the, the advanced guys, it might be a little bit straightforward. But for someone like myself, who's still very much learning the proper techniques. Really cool dude to watch. So he made a, a lidded box, just a simple box. But there was a bit of a twist in the way he put it together. I haven't seen mm -hmm. it done like that. So, yeah, um, Garage Woodworks, go check it out. Mm. Cool. That was interesting. All right, everyone. Well, the uh, I just want to mention quickly before we leave, once again, next week we'll be, we will be here on Tuesday. If you are joining us live on YouTube in the chat, it's going to be on Tuesday from now on for the foreseeable future. So that will be the new date of the show. Mm -hmm. um, Joey, Jordan, anything else you guys want to mention before we leave everyone tonight? Uh, just, just a public announcement about a uh, particular CNC company to stay away from. Uh, <laughs> What's that name again? Uh, uh, it was a uh, Robotech CNC. Okay. Was, yeah, stay away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's me. I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm, cool. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thank you very much to everyone in the chat for all the. Oh, sorry. No, no. Before oh, we run off, run off. We had a question from Leroy. This one, this one will be pretty quick. Okay, uh, quick. So, Leroy, about to do my first uh, my first kitchen benchtop for the perfect client, my mum. Oh, that's very cute. Thinking about using quarter saw and white oak. Any reason I shouldn't? Anything to keep in mind? Anything you think would be better? Only specification is that it's light in color. Otherwise, I have free reign. Jordan, go. Uh, where is he based? I have no idea. But, yeah, white oak's beautiful. Quarter saw, nice and stable. Not going to move. Can't go wrong as long as you got good supply of it and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. 
Cool. I don't know where you're based, yeah. Leroy. So get. I think he's. I think he's in, in Australia. If you're getting a stock of cortisol, oak, that's mint. Well, all I'm gonna say is your mom's gonna love you, whatever it is, because she's your mom. So I'm sure she she'll be fantastic. I know my mom would do the same. All right, everyone. Well, thanks very much for joining in. Um, thanks to everyone in the chat. And we'll see you all again um, on Tuesday next week, same time. See ya. Bye.